Good evening, everyone. Welcome to the Villa Park podcast on the uh, day after another Aston Villa victory. But unbelievably, I am joined by my trusty colleagues of Rich, as always. Rich, how are you, mate? I'm very well, thank you. Very well. Eventful trip to Villa Park uh, yesterday, but yeah, very well, nonetheless. Tell us about that shortly, mate. And, uh, and Sam's yeah, here as well, well, mate. Hello, Sam. Am I the unbelievably bit? Yeah, unbelievably, <laughs> unbelievably, um, you, you're like you know, like Watkins never gets two in a game. We never see you on two pods in a row, so that's the unbelievable bit. I'm like buses at the moment, mate. Like buses, yeah. <laughs> Don't see me for ages. <laughs> I was going to say you're not you're not that big, Sam. You henchmore, probably. Not. <laughs> Cheers, mate. I'll take that one. <laughs> no worries, no worries. Got the steam booster. Well, listen. I think we should just take a moment initially, just to, just to stop and just reflect. We've won another game, lads. Another game. It's four in a row. What's four going on? What's it's going on, Sam? What's going on? <laughs> Your guess is as good as well. I'm not very useful um, on the pod today. I've got no idea. I don't know what's going on, except for um, there's a funny thing in football, uh, and it's what confidence can do to a team. And I always say the best teams are the teams that win, even when they don't play well. And I think that's exactly what happened at Forest. I don't think we were even good <laughs> against Forest. I think we had a pretty poor game uh, by by previous standards. But um, you know that's what good teams do. They they you know they go they play a game at home. They're very hard to beat. Very hard to to um, score against. And and they pick up points. And that's that's what Villa are doing at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I know. Forest are absolutely stinking on the road. The only team they've beaten is Southampton away, and they've they've not won for like eight or nine games, whatever it was. But Rich, did you feel a uh, almost like a as if you shouldn't be thinking it levels level of confidence before this game? It, well, yeah, obviously we did the podcast Friday night, and uh, it was it was we were trying to temper that kind of I don't know confidence almost to like. Bleed, bleed into arrogance, you know, like hopefully we didn't bleed into that because we were, you know, obviously we were so confident we'd get a result and you're almost saying, like, let's not be complacent. You know, every single, pretty much 99% of the scoreline predictions from our, from everyone was a Villa win. And, um, and yeah, it's, it's like Sam says, it's just such a strange place to be in and, and to win, to win like back-to-back games in the Premier League is pretty tough. To win three games is 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 even more difficult. But to win four games, you know, you talk you're talking like real, real, real top class form. And it, and it doesn't matter who you play against because well, obviously it does matter who you play against, but those teams are gonna come with different different skills, different skill sets, different ways to try and try and um try and combat you. And and yeah, Forrest turned up to basically you know, set up for a point and try and nick it. And it was up to us to break them down. And I think one of the key points is in that is that we've had those situations before, you know, where we faced a Watford, we've faced like a, a Bournemouth, like other teams that have been struggling um, in the, in the league, Sheffield United in the past, where we've really struggled to be able to break them down. And, whatever it is, whether it's the confidence that we've got, whether it's the system we've got, whether it's sticking to the plan that we've got, whether it's changes at the right time that we're making, um, or the manager's making, we're, we're kind of proactively doing stuff to overcome those obstacles. And yesterday was a prime example. 
Well, it, look, it's it's a great situation to be in. Um, let's dive into to a few of the comments just initially. If you're not giving us a subscribe, click that bell. Give us give us your uh, your love, please, long term. That would be great. Um, we've really rocketed in the last few months, as I'm sure a few of the regulars know. We're over 1,200 now, so. Um, yeah, it'd be great if you could uh, click subscribe. And also, if you're not, uh, please, can you give the video a like? It helps us find even more Villa fans out there, more listeners, more likes we get. So, yeah, it'd be great if you give it a like. Um, Villa1982, hello. Looking forward to this. So are we. Uh, talking about another win. Steve, Brianna, uh, up the Villa. Absolutely, mate. Love this one from John. Uh, good evening, top six people. Yes, we are finally yes. in the top six. Um, black rum with a nice bit of coca, hopefully, up the Villa. Duncan, hello, mate. Up the villa, evening all. Uh, Rachel's here, evening, fellas. Uh, how dare you assume my agenda, Rachel? I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm Let's not um, get political, Kev. Uh, sorry, yeah, sorry. Keep, it, keep it light, Kev. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Dante, <laughs> hello, all. Pod for top six clubs only. Absolutely correct. Uh, Dougie, uh, is that Mr. Louise himself? If it is, well played yesterday, mate. Up the villa, Europe, here we come. Gaza, love this one. Evening, lads. Six points off the Champions League places when we beat Newcastle next week. Gaza, I changed your if to when then. Sorry, Matt, about you. Uh, when we beat Newcastle next week. Gary, we must be in a parallel universe. Villa in sixth, yeah. John, I'm almost 65. John Gameson, same team togetherness that there was under Saunders. Fantastic to see. Um, Heralio Gomez, tough games coming up, but nothing to fear with Uno at the helm and... Gary again. Is there any way eight can get Europe of the English clubs win a European trophy? So yeah, um, let's um, let's let's talk about being sixth in the league. Um, I feel like it's the same question I asked you earlier, Sam. But can you believe it? Can you believe it? Everything could, everything went our way again, didn't it? If you noticed, there was the um, the moment when obviously Brighton were um, were winning. And to be fair, watching match of the day last night, they were so hard done by. It's like it's like the, the footballing gods were looking down on us. But they dropped points to Spurs, and we've managed to sneak in a six, Sam. Yeah, you know, I feel like I feel like Villa are never on the right end of luck, you know. And I must admit, I must admit, over the last couple of games, not just our own, but in other games, the luck's kind of been going our way. Um, we've had Bertrand Torres has now had two assists off um, opposition uh, uh, opposition players, <laughs> and I think it's just. I think it's just the way it goes sometimes. I think the luck is on your side, the planets align, you know, everything's everything's kind of there for you to take advantage. And I always feel like that's the one thing that Villa have been have been missing, even in the championship. Um, apart from that 10-game run, which ultimately sort of, you know, got us promoted. I feel like Villa are never great at taking their chances. And I'll take this all the way back to the Martin O'Neill days talking about Europe, you know, when we we were we were, you know, odds on for top four. We were in the what was it the quarterfinals of the UEFA Cup, um, and we had CSK Moscow, and we had real opportunity to attack on both fronts there, and we, you know, we kind of spursed it up a little bit, um, but yeah, we we got we got quite lucky yesterday, you know, fortunate events for the first goal. Brighton were absolutely savaged by 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 the oh, refs. That was horrendous. It was. Do you know what? I, I say this as a Villa fan. I think it's bad for football, and I didn't like to see it. I mean, I know that it helps that helps the Villa out, um, and it and it kind of puts us puts us in the spot above Brighton. But I think in general, it's it's terrible for football, and I don't know if it's like a a big team bias or whatever it is. But I felt I felt awful for Brighton because they should have had about 
three penalties. I'm not sure about the goals disallowed and, you know, I, you know, but, but it, as a Villa fan, you know, we take it. It's something that's happened and it's gone in our favour. And after years and years of things not going in our favour, we have we had to take advantage of of that circumstance. And I think fair play to Villa because we can only do what we can do. Um, you know, we can only go out and play our own games and, and whatever else happens in other games, you know, it's really nothing to do with us, no consequence to us. So, um, so yeah, absolutely. Uh, long may it continue. I hope Newcastle get a, a, an unjust red next, next game as well. Why not? Um well, what did you make? What did you make of Forest, Rich? They came obviously to uh, to to frustrate, but I didn't think they were actually actually that bad. I thought they played quite well, actually, particularly first half. I think I think the way they set up was was unsurprising. I, I was talking about this on on the way back, uh, driving back, and I I, I I couldn't decide whether I was kind of under. I, I understood why they approached the game like they did, and I think before at the, the start of the season. Um, and they remind me very much of Villa in that first season that we came up. Like they 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 went for teams at the start of the season, and um, they they really kind of attacked. And they, they 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 obviously won some games, but lost lost quite a few games. And they they reminded us of ourselves when they came to Villa Park. It was almost as if like Cooper had took the Dean Smith pill and tried to and is now trying to get results off the back of just trying to be solid. You know, after we went into lockdown, we came out and we were a totally different side. And I don't know if he used utilised his attacking threats as well as he probably could have done. Like, I was really excited to see Johnson. Uh, obviously, Morgan Gibbs-White has got some nice touches. Um, you know, they, did, they didn't really play. They, they could have played the... Uh, uh, what's the, the big strike? Is it Awamni or what's his name again? Awayini, I think it is. Yeah. Uh, Awe, 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 I think they could have played him, but yeah. So I understood why they were doing what they were doing, but I was kind of expecting them a little bit more attacking output from them. That being said, I thought they were quite big. They were quite physical. I think they tried to outmuscle us at times, and in some parts of the first half, it definitely worked. So I agree with you on that. But I, fa- I found that they were just quite a basic side and um yeah I thought they could have probably offered a little bit more threat to us. It, it's hard to it's hard to break down a team out sometimes and you see that against even some of the some of the top top teams over the last few years. If a team literally sets up to to frustrate it can be hard. Um I probably would have expected a bit more from Villa though. Sam and do you think that's maybe like three games in a week catching up with them a little bit the fact we weren't that creative in the first half? Yeah I think so. I remember thinking after the game, you know, and being obviously I wasn't irritated at all. You know, we were on a fantastic run, and um, as a Villa fan, this is as good as it gets. Um, but I do remember thinking, how, how often are we going to sort of have these mediocre performances and get results? Like, I'd like to see a bit. I would like to have seen a bit more improvement in terms of, you know, for all areas of play, really. But then I did. I went on Twitter and I saw um, you'll have to excuse me. I can't remember her name, um, but there's someone a Villa fan on Twitter. But you know, three weeks in uh, three games in seven days, you know, and not not of massive squad to cope with that run in as well. You know, almost the exact same teams every time, and you could see that with with Leon Bailey. You know, picking up a hamstring. I'm sure we'll get into that um, in a little bit. But you could see it was kind of grating on the players, and without the squad to squad depth to do rotation and 
what you would normally expect. I think I think you're right. I think that was it was a very professional performance. You know, we we went there, uh, we we went to Villa Park, expected Forest to to you know be half decent, which I think I think they were in the first half, and we coped with them very well. And we didn't. We, I was never really. I was more worried about scoring at the other end than I was about conceding um, throughout the game. So, uh, yeah, you know, we have a week off now. And and I think next week we'll be able to see whether the performance was a product of the amount of games that we've had or if it's just Unai Emery still really trying to drill in what he wants him to do and the players are still working on on picking that up. But, yeah, it must have played a part. Yeah, and look, well, obviously, we'll, we'll fully review the Newcastle game. Uh, we'll give that all, all the time it deserves. But it does feel like that's going to be a real litmus test for us, doesn't it, Rich? Oh, 100%, mate. It's a, it's a massive game now. Um, you know, a lot of a lot of people have labelled the, you know, the great run that we've been on. I've noticed on Twitter that we, we, we've had an easier run and we haven't really played anyone. And and that kind of that kind of you know, that, that kind of always comes into play when the team, you know, gate crashes at that top top end of the table. It's like, well, you haven't played anyone yet or, or whatever. So this is the start of that kind of crunch time of the of the season where we've got all the teams that we're playing against, that, that, we're, that we are around us that we're playing against. And, you know, I'm sure we're not going to win all of those games, but if we can get some positive results and, we're right in there and this is the this is the big one and obviously we're going to do match previews for Newcastle I've already been asked to be on like two or three Newcastle podcasts already you know like it's going to be a busy week for us I'm sure so um you know they're going to be they're going to be gunning for us but one thing they they don't have a good record at, at Villa Park as much as we don't have a great record at well we certainly don't have a good record at St James's so you know who I think we could go into it with a lot of confidence. I do take Sam's point about the squad and, you know, one or two injuries. I just hope, hope that after a week off, you know, I know Emery was talking about 10 to 14 days for Kamara, Cash and Coutinho, but it would be brilliant to have two or three, you know, one or two of those players back for Saturday just to give us an, an option because, you know what, I think a Coutinho to come back for the last seven or eight games to come off the bench for 15 minutes to go, give us a little bit of guile, magic against these teams that are going to be around us would be absolutely invaluable. So I, I just hope that we have a couple of players coming back. Yeah, absolutely. Well, listen, um, let, let's just get through a few more comments. Um, I think I'll pop, pop this up before, maybe, I don't know. Uh, Rachel, I do feel bad for Brighton as ever, robbed. Absolutely. I think we've, we've covered that, what, that point. Uh, Gary... Said, imagine this team with Grealish and Unai working together. I can dream. Uh, Gaza, now there's a thought. Uh, really, a Gomez, Grealish shoe. That's what we like to see. Although he's, I'm sure we all agree it's nice to see him playing playing well at the moment. Um, you know, the, the we, we, you know, we don't talk about Grealish too much, but the kind of player that we thought he was, it's good to see that they're seeing it now. So that's nice. Um, Deontay, how about Cooper's post-match comments? Um, yeah, he was, he was a bit bitter up post-match, wasn't he? Did you guys see the comments? He said. I saw, I saw him saying that we, we didn't really do anything. Yeah, basically, um, we're rubbish here, basically, effectively. Um, <laughs> thing is, though, I don't think he, I don't think he was wrong in the sense of he said, you know, Villa weren't particularly threatening. We weren't really. I mean, you know, he, but neither were they. They they definitely didn't deserve to win. I think you know it was two teams who didn't really produce much. Um, the only difference is. You know, when Villa had a couple of chances, they were clinical. They were more switched on, um, you know, and, and the, the fight 
and the hunger was was there a bit more. And I think that's that's what won us the game. It was just a bit of determination. I think an extra an extra yard that you get with that kind of confidence. So I can see where Steve Cooper's coming from. He's he's obviously look he's worried about his job, um, which no one likes to see. I think he's actually a good manager, Steve Cooper. So um, he's he's naturally going to be. I, I've always thought this about about managers. I can never take it on face value something that they say after a game where they've just lost. Because yeah, if, if you ask me agreed. after after a game where we've lost, I'll say, oh, I hate Villa, I hate football, uh, <laughs> I wish I was a rugby fan. Do you know, I'd say stuff like, I'd never be. <laughs> don't we know it, Sam? Don't we know it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So I think it's quite harsh. But, um, you know, at the end of the day, he's got to go and, and do his job and, and we've got to carry on doing ours. The thing, the thing we manage is post-matches anyway is if, if they're they're giving normally the usual, yeah, we did pretty well, we need, you know, could improve in his areas, like a real, you know, sort of like vanilla response. And if they're ever too honest, it's like, call the players out in the press, that's terrible. So I don't think they can really win sometimes, post-match comments. Um, I don't no, think... I do, sorry, Kev, just on that. I do think as well he's... You know, whatever the whatever the chairman has said in the press, there's not certainly no smoke without fire, and he's he's obviously got to kind of fight. He's almost fighting for his job, you know. So he's got to kind yeah. of put a positive spin on it for his own club. And a lot of what they say in those press conferences is generally to the players. So he's going to want to. He's not going to. He's not going to want to say, "Oh, look, we're down. You know, we were in a real bad rut, and we couldn't create anything, and we didn't do this, and we didn't do that," because the players are just going to be like, well, what's the point in, you know, well, I guess sometimes they can use that as a bit of a siege mentality, but, you know, it, it, it's essentially, I think what he's trying to do is keep that that mood positive and, and say, you know, we came yeah. up against a team like Villa and we've we've competed and we, we, we we've, they've not created hardly anything against us. The game was quite even. So therefore going into the next match, they, you know, whoever they're playing against, they should be able to, they've got a likelihood of a good result. I think it's even worse for Steve Cooper though, because he's come out and he said Villa is shit, and we still lost two 0 Like, <laughs> yeah, that, that's true. That, that's very true. <laughs> that's what I heard. He was like, he's like, oh, Villa are dreadful." Um, it's like, well, that's oh, all right. We'll keep our three points. <laughs> the, the problem is, he probably knows they've got Man United, then Liverpool, then Brighton. So, um, you know, not a great run of fixtures. So, if they ever thought they were going to get anything out of a game, uh, despite the form we were in, this probably would have been the one you favour out of all, all four of those. So, um, look, just to finish off a few more of these comments, uh, Gary says, um, really hope Brighton and us get Europe, uh, both of them the right way, and Brighton and Paul Chelsea, Chelsea's pants down with Potter and Cucurella, absolutely. Uh, Gaza, love the so-called top six getting ripped apart from Villa, Newcastle, Brighton, Brentford and Fulham this season. Yeah, it's been great to see some disruption there. Black Room, Brighton, we're clearly robbed, and it's time to ha- to hold the people who make these decisions accountable in some way. I, I agree, actually. Just on, on Black Rum's comment, really quickly, I've I've seen a lot of people attack VAR this weekend and say, "Oh, VAR doesn't work." VAR was brought in to eradicate human error, and VAR doesn't work because of human error. The people who are, who are, have these tools, like everyone who watched the VAR for Brighton, they saw the the penalty shout from Matoma and. Um, uh, that you know the goal from Matoma, uh, Danny Welbeck's goal, all of these scenarios. Everyone watching it was like, "This is a VAR gave us the tools to say this is clearly a goal. This is clearly a penalty." Now the people who are officiating the games, the people in, in what is it, St James's, St George's Park, or whatever it is, Stockton they're, Park, isn't it? they're they're sitting there, they're watching the exact same footage that we are, and they're making the wrong calls. And I I just don't understand how people can attack VAR as a technology 
for it not working when the issue is still human error. Like what 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 do you boys think about VR? Now the, the, the conversation's coming back up on bad decisions, so on and so forth. Well, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, it, it, the technology is not the issue. I mean, I think sometimes the technology looks like it's the issue occasionally with some of the offside lines because it's all about where you click and where you draw it, isn't it? So if, if you can't get it perfect, because sometimes it feels like they've got the lines wrong. But generally, you're absolutely right. And if you can see it as, as, as fans on the side of the pitch, you know, or watching at home, if you can see it in a football studio, you can see it. The thing with VAR, which I think is important, is that we all are consistent with it. And I, I think you made that point uh, really well, Sam, earlier, that, um, you know, as much as it benefited Villa, it, it was it was shocking. I think VAR, in many ways, is, is, is a lot like cancel culture. You've got to be careful what you wish for, because you can start saying, I disagree with all these things until it comes to get you. We can be delighted that VAR screws Brighton over, but what about when it's the last game of the season and we don't get a penalty against Brighton and we, we miss out on six spot? So I think my point is we've just all got to be consistent to call it out. And I, I don't know whether if I was given the option now to get rid of it, whether I, I would I would do that. What, what would you do, Rich, if you were given a, a you know a, a referendum on VAR? I guess like like you guys say, it, it's it's always a case of be careful what you wish for, isn't it? And like you know, when it was before it was there, it was like you know these decisions that these referees make or don't make are costing points and costing us games. But when we have VAR, it's the same people that are making the decisions that are gonna that are still costing points and costing games. So. <sighs> It's so difficult. If you, you've, we, we've got the technology there. I think now it's there. We 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 keep it. We just need to be better at u- utilizing it. I think if we go back to what it was before, then I think it's I, I think it's kind of moving moving back in backwards in time. You know, I, I just I do think there's a romanticism with going back to what it was like before and just moaning at the ref or moaning at at, at, at certain decisions. One thing I would say is, I think inevitably what now VAR is here whatever the referees try and say they they have kind of they do fall back subconsciously to var like they'll stop making decisions because of the fact that yeah. they've got var you know linesmen don't put their flag up i know they've say that they've been told to wait for the play to to run but they're certainly not making decisions on offsides because they know that they've got var so in yeah. a lot of ways because you've got that technology it's maybe diminished the standard of the refereeing because they haven't got to make those they haven't got to make those clutch decisions and they haven't necessarily got to be as tuned in on the game because they know that that, that someone's there watching it for them. What the, the worst thing about it is, is though, is that the people in the VAR, because they're all part of the same kind of club, they don't want to say that that referee has got it wrong. Mm-hmm. They don't want to upset that you referee. Need, you need independent yes, um, regulation, independent authority above. You can't have Howard Webb, former... Um, you know, Premier League referee who's got all of his mates, they probably all went to his wedding and, uh, you know, probably brother-in-laws and whatever it is. You can't have him regulating that because it doesn't work. What's he going to do? He goes to Brighton today and he says, oh, sorry about that, uh, which he's done four or five times this season. He's done the same with Fulham as well. Now, let's put this into actual perspective, like from a, from a finance perspective or a business perspective. If Imagine Brighton miss out on... Europe by three points. How much money would they lose? How, how how much would that affect their club? How in terms of consequences for them? Now to look at it on the other way, that the referee who's who's clearly, I mean, he's gone to the screen there. He's gone to the screen and he's looked at it and he's just he's not seen what everyone else has seen. What is his punishment? He has to go and 
referee a, a game in the in the championship for two weeks where there's still 30,000 people there it's still a fantastic league we know that the championship the championship isn't a punishment the championship's a privilege as well to referee somewhere like that so I, I think you know if if these referees are going to continue making these mistakes when the when the technology is there to, to show them exactly what you need to do you need to say look you made a mistake we're going to take you off for a couple of weeks you're, you're not allowed to referee and then if you do it again and you make it, and this is like a really blatant, you, you've properly messed up here, like you would do in a, in a job, in any job, if you mess up two, three times with dire consequences, you, you, your employers would say, actually, do you know what? You're making too many mistakes. We're going to have to let you go. Am I wrong in that? <laughs> it no, seems. No, no, do, you know, do you know what I think with it, which surprised me as well, is that we, when you've got the technology and the benefit of all these, all these replays and all, you know, all, all the analysis you can do, Admittedly, they haven't got like, you know, hours and hours, but they've got enough time to be able to assess it from different angles. And when you've got the sense, then they tell the referee to go and check. Why is there not some sort of dialogue there to say when the referee is saying, oh, actually, I'm not sure it is a penalty. And they say, hang on a minute. He stepped on his foot or I'm not sure that was a well-back goal. Hang on a minute. I think he might have hit his hip rather than his hand. And I think it should be a goal because it, it's almost like they just defer straight to the referee. We think you should look at it. And then the referee says yes or no. But surely, where, 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 where's the power of, that, of them saying, hang on a minute, is there a reason why I told you to go and look at the monitor? Because I we are, everyone can see he stepped on his foot and it's clearly a penalty. Kev, I think I'm, I'm a, I'm a uh, fan of, of uh, American football, NFL. And one of the things that they do in the NFL, which I, I really love, is when the, the ref is reviewing a call or a challenge, you can hear them and you can hear yeah. the conversations that they have. And I think two things would, would make refereeing a lot better in this country. One, to hear those conversations between um, the VAR room and the uh, uh, and the referee himself, and secondly, I think refs should come out after the game and explain the same way a manager does, same way a, pl a player does. Sit in front of the in front of the media on BBC's uh, uh, match of the day, whatever it is, and just say, "Why did you make that call? How did you see it?" And they can give an explanation. And maybe they know something more about the rules than we do. I hope they do. And we can have that kind of dialogue and understand their thought process. But in general, it's just I've made my decision. Bugger off. That's it. Don't don't argue with the referee that the Lord Almighty, you know, don't ever question him. And I'm just like, absolutely not. If you're making a shit call, we're going to call you out. And, and yeah. that's what we should be doing. I, I think there's definitely, definitely room for improvement. No, and, and Rachel's just, I think, made a bang on comment about it. It works in rugby and cricket. FA need to work with the sports to get it right. But they weren't as they want to feel superior. Gaza says... I prefer it, uh, like the rugby with VAR. You hear it being broken down and then they're more agreeing. Um, I, I think that the, th the thing with VAR is as well, is that if you're in the ground and you've seen it and you're convinced and then you don't know what's going on, that's half the battle sometimes. I mean, if you look at yesterday, the, the, the Villa Forest game, I mean, it was so stop-style, it probably didn't help it. But I wasn't know whether they check in things for VAR. Was it something happened to one of the players? The communication between the, the people the people that, that officiate and the fans watching it both at, on, on the telly and at the ground, I don't think it's good enough. Well, when you when you watch a rugby game and you know exactly what's going on going on, and I also think as well, I think it would be a, a massive improvement to refereeing is that if they got the same level of respect that rugby referees got, and whether that is if you approach the ref, you know, you're told to go away, you do it again, you get you get sent off. Well, they did, they did have that. They did have that for the for, for a couple of weeks where they said if. Uh, you surround the ref, the third player that does it will get an automatic yellow card. Because there was a period where we were like, why Why is so-and-so getting a yellow card? Why are yeah. they getting a yellow card? And then 
but as always, they stopped it after a couple of weeks, um, probably because there was some pressure from from the clubs or whatever. And now we're seeing we're seeing situations. You know, obviously Mitrovic has had it. You know, had an eight game ban and and all this kind of stuff, which obviously you know I'm conflating the two arguments. But the, the still the re- respect to the referee type thing. It's a two. It's certainly a two way street. But look. VAR benefited us, I think, as Gaza said, against Leicester. Uh, well, it didn't benefit us. It was just the fact that it was it got to the correct decision. Exactly. Which is perfectly as as it as it should be. Um, yeah. I, we could, I, we'd I be really annoyed, wouldn't we, now? If we'd have yeah, been yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It could have been an equaliser. Um, and, and, and for that case, if VAR, VAR hadn't been about, then... He would have just give a penalty. So yeah. what will be what will be really interesting is obviously Mitrovic has had his ban. I saw a lino <laughs> elbow uh, Robertson. Yeah, saw yeah. that today. <laughs> so yeah. I'd love to see. I'd love to see what happens to him because I don't know if, if Robertson like kind of tugged his arm or some of that, but he's proper like bang throat. So I'd like to see if anything comes. Of no, that. maybe seen Roy Keane. Not... seen Roy Keane's comments. He called Robertson a baby. Yeah, it's a big baby. He should worry about his defending. I'm yeah, sorry, I mean, if the Lino did that to, to, to Roy Keane, he'd murder him and his old family. I know, I know, I know. It's, I mean, <laughs> it, it's just an instinctive, like he puts his arm up and whether it's just like, I don't know, it's just, I mean, he's it, up him in the throat, whatever you want to say. So, yeah, I mean, it clearly fired him up for the second half. Um, anyway, listen, I'll, I'll just I'll just catch up with a few more comments. Michael's in the house. Michael, good evening. Pretty proud of you live, mate. Hope, you, hope you're all good. Gary, I hope your daughter's wedding went well, mate. Yeah, Michael, absolutely. Yeah, I hope the wedding went well. Let us know how it went. Well, hopefully it went really well. Um, Gary, the more we improve with this team, the more under your line, the more I detest the total inability of Gerard. I hope he never works again, not bitter. I'm sure he'll get a job somewhere. Um, also, we did look leggy, though, didn't we? Yeah, absolutely, we did. Lee says it's a, a pro- proper good test. This is obviously Newcastle. Rest will relish this challenge. If we're not good enough, we're not good enough. And that's that. Yeah, I think that's it is what it is with that I one. Agree. That's yeah. that, those I agree with Lee wholeheartedly. Those are the kind of games that that you want to be playing, those kind of crunch matches against a good team, and you want to test yourself. I'm hundred percent with Lee. If we lose, we lose. Um, but yeah, he's bang on there. I like that comment. Yeah, yeah. Michael, another professional performance after a long week. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. Lee Forrest really did a turn the home crowd set up with the low block and man marking our pivot. Uh, so yeah, I think Forrest certainly did their bit. Um, Jason says, Imagine when Unai gets his own players in. Um, John saying, Hi, when you're 64, winning the European good is, is, is as good as it gets. Fair play, John. You've seen that. I wish wish we'd seen that. I think, I think, I'll, if, Sam, how old are you, mate? 32 last week. Oh, god. So me and Rich technically were alive, although I was go- I was probably go babbling on my, on my mom's. Yeah, I was one year old, I think. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. Think so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever, yeah. Rich. You were there. We know. I was there. I was there. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you did you all see this from Unai Emery when he basically said the Villa Park were technically shit? When he actually said <laughs> we take a clean sheet. Have you seen that game? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I did hilarious. see that. Yeah, Villa Park. We are technically shit, but we take a clean sheet. We take a clean sheet. <laughs> uh, love it. Good bounce. Uh, Gary Europe would be nice, but I wanted all I wanted for us to be taken seriously again, and I think that has absolutely, absolutely happened. I, I, I think actually on that point from Gary, I, I don't know how you boys feel about this, but I feel like next season teams like Liverpool, Chelsea, the, the big, the big ones out of the top six that aren't firing all cylinders, I reckon they're going to come back with a vengeance. And I think if any season we're going to get into Europe. It's a year when the likes of Newcastle, Brighton, Villa, Brentford, Fulham have been challenging for those top six places. I kind of, I'm kind of getting a feeling 
that it's like it's a now or never type situation mm. we want to do it this is the perfect season next season is going to be much harder to do the same yeah, yeah. Do you know i i always used to think that i think that was a big point i made made last season as well but the more i think about it now i think i think we probably said that a few times over the years about various things i mean it was a point i can't remember who said this uh, well, earlier it was the, the lockdown season we kind of said the same didn't we we were like you know yeah. we've got to take our opportunity now and, and that but I, yeah i think there's sorry kev i do think there's there's Again, there's like right, there's it's it's right in a way, but it's also like there's always going to be a, there always are going to be a couple of teams that are going to be in in turmoil, you know, like Newcastle get into the Champions League or whatever the Europe. How are they going to cope with that 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 yeah. coping on two fronts? Brighton, are they going to be able to? Is their manager going to get nicked off them by an, a bigger club, so-called bigger club? Yeah. And then are they going to? Won't be Spurs, I tell you what. Yeah. Not after <laughs> no, 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 I know. Yeah, but like it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's just about being consistent, isn't it? But I do, yeah. I do understand what you're saying. Don't forget last season as well. Everyone said Arsenal. It's do or die for them to get in the Champions League. If they don't get in the Champions League, then that's basically them maybe out of the fold for a few years. And this season, they're in. It's still in their own hands. Mid-April for them to win the league, still. So you know, it just goes to show. I think if you've got a good setup and a good system and a good coach and a good plan, then I think you can you you, you can still stay there. But it, I know what you mean. It does feel like with the number of teams that when we still got to finish ahead of them this season, that's going to be a huge challenge. You know, with with the likes of Chelsea, Liverpool behind us. Um, but if you can get in this season, it potentially does just propel you a bit further forward, doesn't it? Do you know what's mad though? Do you know what's mad? Before we go through some comments, and we talk about the goals, I think we've got to talk about the goals as well. But it's mad that at the start of the week, uh, Saturday five thirty, Chelsea were on the same points as us. Yeah. And on Sunday at half or or yesterday at five o'clock, we were seven points ahead of them. Incredible. <laughs> it's just it's just mad within the space of a week we went Rich. from level on points to Chelsea to seven points clear of them well, eight, eight points clear of them eight points sorry yeah 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 I think I think it's just testament to to how good the business end of the season is um you know and and it was actually funny the comment that I saw earlier about I think it was Gary maybe said it about Gerard I reckon if Jurgen Klopp goes at the end of the season, I reckon I'll go to Liverpool, you know. And it's a it's a crazy shout, and he no in no way deserves that job. But I can just see that little worm, you know, crawling his way back into it into a, <laughs> a job off his, uh, you know, zero Premier Leagues and and you know. Well, look who was in the back in the sports. dugout at Chelsea. Look who's back in the dugout at Chelsea. Yeah, exactly. And, <laughs> exactly. and he didn't get the blame. Yeah. If anything, they look worse against Wolves than they did before. They get that caretaker back in charge. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know fine well if he gets if he gets like I don't know if he wins four out of the last eight games, he'll put himself forward as a candidate for the job. Hundred percent. Of course he will. They can sell themselves a bit of cash. Probably give him hundred grand a year and he'll take it. So um, <laughs> listen, let, let let's get back to the villa. Um, great news. The best best bit of the pod so far. Michael said wedding went fantastic and including Villa in his speech. I love that. Love that. Um, thank the Villa before the bride's family, Lee says. Um, look, it's in terms of the performance against Forest and how it maybe was a little bit uninspiring, but you know, professional performance got the job done in the end. Obviously, there's been a lot of stuff going around. I put a tweet out about it as well. That this is basically Bar Moreno, the same players that Smith had at, had at his disposal. Well, but obviously with the likes of 
you know, Carlos still probably not being quite ready with Kamara being injured, with Den Duncan not starting, with Bender going back on loan. So going back to, to his parent club. So is it not inevitable that the group of players that have largely been quite inconsistent, albeit having having better coaching at the moment, that at some point they will sh- revert slightly to type in terms of maybe lacking a bit of inspiration or being a bit inconsistent? Is that not inevitable, Rich? Uh, well, look, I think it's inevitable that we lose a couple of these games out of the last eight, but I don't think it'll necessarily because they've, you know, reverted back to type. And again, like I, I said this on the last episode, you know, like Sam was bang on in what he was saying before. And he kept saying it about these players are better than what they're producing. And, and the coaching has proved that. Um, and you could arguably say that, or well, it's not even an argument. You look at the form over the last seven games or even just since Emery's been in charge, like it goes right before the right before the World Cup. You know, to lose only to only lose four games and draw one and win all of the other games, that's ridiculous, ridiculous consistency. So to me, they've already really shown that consistency. And even like I say, it's inevitable that we're going to lose a couple of games, but it's also, in my opinion, inevitable that we're going to win. A, a good chunk of those games just because of the way that we're playing, the system that we're playing, the players that are in form and, you know, just the, 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 the coaching that's, that's being, that's being set up for them. So I don't, I, I think it's probably easy to say now that we, that we are a model of, of consistency and the players are showing exactly what they're, they're able to do. Yeah. And look, you, you always talk about two points per game being, well, they put that sort of Champions League standard, don't they? Well, we've got in 17 games under Emery, we've got more than two points a game. We've got 35 points out of 17 games. It is an absolutely incredible, not just like not, not just record, but turnaround from where we were with no huge changes in terms of personnel in that team. I know Kamara's played his part more than played his part this season. Um, but really, I mean, this is I don't even care. I mean, if Arsenal don't win the league, right? I think Emery should win manager of the year. I mean, for He's the, definitely for the, a candidate. The job, but for the job, we were bottom three, joint bottom three, but you know, joint points on eighteen when when Gerard left, and in the space of five six months, we are sixth in the league with an unbelievable points haul. I mean, it obviously depends what happens in the next few games, and we've got some crunch games which will really really set our season apart. But I mean, Sam, I'm still pinching myself, mate. Um, one that we've got him, but two that we just we just keep get, getting these wins and keep beating teams. Yeah, I mean, what was it? Four in a row, moved into sixth place, and we were still second last on match of the day yesterday. He's not going to win manager of the season. I'll, go, I'll put any money Yeah, that. that's true. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Um, and he's, Villa are still not getting the, the credit they deserve. And we spoke on the last podcast about, you know, whether we want to go under the radar, if we want people to start picking us up. And I said I was fine for no one to take, care, uh, take any notice of us. But people really aren't taking any notice of us. And I think, I think what's really impressive about Emery and I don't know if you two disagree or not, but I've seen the good performance that we've had under Emery. I've seen them under Dean Smith and I've seen them under Gerard as well. Um, what's impressive to me is, is how he can rally them to keep going. Because under Dean Smith, we'd have like two, three good results. Or like we, we'd have that clutch period like we did when we uh, drew against West Ham on the last day of the season. And Trez, you know, went on, on a crazy one and... You know, but but Unai Emery, what was it? Eleven wins in sixteen or in seventeen or something? I don't know what it is. 
something ridiculous like that, that kind of consistency and, and that ability to change the whole mindset. And I think this is so important. And Chelsea are a, are a club at the moment who have got all the talent in the world at their disposal, but the mindset in the camp is wrong. And Unai Emery's come in and he's he, he's turned it he's turned it around so much now to the point where I think a player like maybe Coutinho before, who was like uh, maybe maybe of the mindset that you know like oh, I'm I'm Coutinho I'm, I'm at Villa I'm doing someone a favor here do you know what I mean or like you know feeling like you know they should be really happy I'm here now Coutinho is watching this team and and the, the heights that they're looking to achieve and they're he's probably thinking oh man I really want to be a part of this I want to fight to get that pace back off Wendir and someone like Emmy Martinez earlier in the season he was you know talking about his aspirations to get into Europe and 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 be a Champions League player and he was you know, maybe saying that as kind of a, an invitation for people to, to to come and bid for him. And and you see him now after the game yesterday, he can see the vision, he can see Europe and he can see it with Villa as well. And I just think that's the most impressive thing. It's consistency, like you say, Kev, but it's also just Unai Emery's ability to inspire. And it, yeah. it's even more impressive considering that I'm guaranteed half of them don't know what he's saying half the time because I don't and I'm really paying attention. Um, yeah, yeah. So I, and and also he, he has these really long meetings as well. So there must yeah. there must be. There must, but I also to add to that, I think what's re- again another impressive factor is how they're how they're so diligently sticking to the plan of what he's telling them to do, game in, game out. Yeah. And there's there's subtle changes within each game, you know, or or sorry to 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 play that opposition before the game starts, and then also within the game, and they're sticking to it. You know, how easy would it have been for us to crumble against the Chelsea when they're putting us under that that intense yeah. pressure? How easy would it have been for us to kind of lack concentration yesterday and concede a goal, a sloppy goal off a set piece? You know, they have that's something like twelve corners or something. Mm-hmm. You know. Like I know earlier on in the season we were quite weak off set piece, but certainly the last seven or eight games we've we've really tightened up on that. So it's it's also that just I know win get winning games kind of helps with that credibility, but and and then and the player you, you get the buy in from the players, but but we've seen so many times like Sam says the Villa players reverting back to type, reverting back to playing their own game. You know, a Douglas Louise reverting back to kind of trying those chest passes or holding the ball, or holding onto the ball for five or six touches, or uh, Buendia trying to take on the whole team, or like Coutinho trying to play his own game or whatever. We've we've or Mings, you know, losing concentration and trying to outmuscle his centre forward instead of actually concentrating on the game. We've seen so many times these things happen. But at, the, at this moment in time, they're just not doing it for this manager. And even on Saturday, what was so noticeable was when a pass was even like a, a centimetre out of place, he was berating those yeah. players because it's not what he's told them to do. Yeah. And and he, he, he keeps those standards extremely high. And he was saying he was so happy for the fans that we got the four wins in a row. But he knew that there's more to come from these performances. There's more to come from those players, which is so pleasing to see. I think as well, Rich, like to add on to that, I, I, I think one thing that we maybe haven't mentioned so far is how reactive he is in games. Yeah. I, I remember being at the at the Chelsea game, I could see you know, Emery on my right, and there was a point where um, Ashley Young was getting battered on, on, on that right side. And halfway through, I think it maybe was the second half, he just said to him, he said, stop running forward. He said, stop, just stop where you are, because you're not, he could see he's knackering himself out. He doesn't trust his options on the bench. And... 
from personnel changes to actual changing, whether it's the formation, whether it's the instructions to the players, like, all right, we've got X lead now. And I don't know if it's pre-planned, if he says like, you know, you know, plan B, plan B. Now we know everyone knows he has to drop back and he does that really well. But I think, you know, that that's impressive. And also the fact I'd really like to just point out in the last seven games, we've only conceded two goals. Yeah. That is mental. One of, them is, a pen- one of them is a penalty as well. One of, penalty. Was, one of them was a penalty and one of them was an incredible Harvey Barnes goal. But yeah. really, really think about that. Digest that. In the last seven games, Aston Villa have only conceded two goals. Yeah. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It's absolutely mental. And, and it will be really interesting to see what a free score in Newcastle do against that defence because a lot of people, a lot of Newcastle fans I see on Twitter are expecting to come and sort of turn us over. Interesting to see how many they get if they, you know, if they get any at all. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, the one thing I would say as well about Forrest is, you know, with everything Cooper said and the fact that, you know, we weren't maybe at our absolute best going forward, is I can't remember them having one single decent chance in the entire game. I can't I can't remember it at all. And um and then obviously um to get the inspiration, Leon Bailey did, which something we haven't seen a lot. He actually did a real burst of pace to get uh, get past someone to put a good ball in the box, which I think you know Watkins possibly could have been better with. Um I haven't seen too many replays of it. And then classic Leon Bailey um injures his hamstring on comes on super sub. Burst first <laughs> Here he is, and just Shelby. Obviously, had been watching the Leicester game the other night. He knows he likes a little side sideways pass for him to run onto with his left foot. Bang, one nil. But he does it again. Um, yeah, yeah. What did you make it? Make of his general performance when he came on, Rich? I mean, he's he, he just he's Bertie's he's Bertie. I mean, I, I actually saw the goal from inside the bar area of the. The, one of the suites because my son wasn't well yesterday when we got to the game so we were watching because he was like I'm not ready to go out yet dad um, so yeah so I saw it from in there but when we came out for the full second half I don't think he got in the ga- involved in the game too much but I think again one of the things that and, and probably Traore is a prime example of this uh, type of play is that he kept to. He stuck to his task. He stuck to his job. He stuck to that position on that right hand side. He was he was helping up up and down you know, where he was needed, and he didn't give the ball away. You know, very cheaply. I think there was one occasion where he gave the ball away, but you know, we've seen so many times with Traore where he's kind of gone on these meandering runs and, and ended up going into a cul-de-sac and causing real problems or letting his man run off him and and kind of you know just just causing a two-on-one situation down that down our right hand side so look i think he was i think he was pretty good he got the goal which is key you know you've got to do the you've got to you know perform and be ruthless in those moments and it's clear it's it's funny to see again as i was traveling back you know he's got two goals in two games and he he has that ruthless streak that unfortunately someone like a leon bailey just hasn't got yet you know i know bailey scored goals but you know again would a Bailey have done that, like just off the cuff type cross with the outside left left foot? Nobody's expecting that. And then as it happens, it comes back to his foot and he just whips it in first time. Like no, no thinking about it, just doing it. Same against Leicester. And again, at this stage of the season, games are going to be decided on moments of where people do things outside of the ordinary. And it's great to have a player like Traore on our team who is going to produce those moments. And I'm sure we'll do many more to come at the before the end of the season. 
it, it always feels like he's in second gear, doesn't it? Do you know how like Usain Bolt used to be? Like he was just always seemed too relaxed, like and just always a bit languid, and then he'd run like 100 meters in like nine, nine and a bit seconds. And I mean, Trara, I just think he always looks a bit like he's just like can't really be that bothered. And then you know, glide past a couple of players and then and then do what he does. He's he's clearly a, a very en- enigmatic player. I think he's really clever footballer. Like I, th- I yeah. think that's he doesn't get he's such an intelligent footballer. I just think, yeah, like you say, sometimes he can be a, like that. That can be levelled to him where he's 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 trying something yeah. a little bit too audacious or or is taking a little bit too much time, but. When he doesn't have to think and when it's instinctive, I don't think there's many better players than him. Like in terms of that 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 quick technical ability, he's certainly effective, isn't he? Um, well, let's just fire through. Been loads of comments, guys. Thanks again for all the comments. Um, just quick reminder: if you're not already subscribed to the show, please be great if you, if you could subscribe. And if you're not already giving this video a like, please give it a like. That's always helps people find us. So. Michael, we've got, we've got the story. He told the story of his brother getting married on the day Villa beat Man United 3-1. The famous win nothing with kids. Every year his brother gets it big time for that. Absolutely. Um, Nigel says, Gerard will scuffle Liverpool at some point. They'll be mid-table for a stint at best. Oh, let's hope that happens. Keep him behind us. Michael said it, it was his daughter that got married. Um, John says, uh, Mings amongst the best centre-halves in the Prem in, in the top two English ones. I think we've talked about Mings a lot lately in terms of how good he's been. I think he was, I think he was great again at the weekend. Um, Gary says, surely it's our best type of winning a trophy while Unai is here. Nigel says, whatever other teams do, we will be competitive next year. I think that was the point I made earlier on, absolutely. Gaza, what about this? Remember this, guys? We've done it again, consistently scoring in every match under Unai, which is unbelievable. And I think Forrest must have known that was going to happen based on our form. So why they weren't a bit more progressive, I'm, I'm a bit surprised. Um, yeah. Lee says, what do you think about... Um, but Ramsey having a blip, the system is so strong it's working even when a few players aren't firing. And I'd say I'd add to that, probably Buendia didn't have a great game for me yesterday, and yet we still got a 2-0 two, two win. Um, um, just, think- yeah, just just on that, I think they they set up specifically just man-to-man in midfield. Like They sacrificed their midfield kind of creativity yeah. or whatever they would have had in midfield just to stop our four and you know, the last two games Ramsey has had their most physically dominant midfielder on marking him yeah um you know it was obviously indeed in in the game against Leicester and it was Koyate and then Furla against Forrest and you know he does he doesn't do great against those physical players he, he needs to work out a way of moving off the lines a little bit quicker and trying to receive the ball on the half turn and getting that first touch away from the player as opposed to controlling it and then moving away because he's he's he's, he's, he's initiating the impact and he's not not quite Certain plays not quite strong enough to withstand it. I, I think I think there's another issue with Jacob Ramsey. Everyone knows, you know, like anyone who's heard me speak before, and, and you guys definitely know, I'm a massive advocate for J- Jacob Ramsey. I think he's got bags of talent, and uh, I think he's not being utilised properly. Actually, this is my and every pod I'm going to do a controversial opinion. I don't think Jacob Ramsey should be playing on the left. I don't think he should be playing on the left side of a three. He's not a winger. He isn't. He isn't great at a one-on-one, and we saw that against Forest. They had the opportunity where he had that he had the ball, and he was one-on-one, and he had miles and miles of space. And it's not it's not what Jacob Ramsey does. He picks up the ball in the centre and he charges through the line, and he progresses with the ball. He, he's not particularly like a, a great crosser. What his his role would be if you were to equate it to something like NFL, for example, would be a running back. And it's just, yeah, I've said that. I've said that. Gets you territory. Yeah, get 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 the yards. You know, get the 
the ball up. And I think he's kind of a victim, Jacob Ramsey, of two things. A, um, the form of other players, the likes of John McGinn and, and, and Douglas Luiz and Kamara when he's fit. Um, because obviously you can't you can't drop them, um, but you need to incorporate Ramsey into that team because he is such a talented player. So Una Amri's got him playing on the left as as a winger on the left side of a three. I just don't think it's his position. I don't think that's the best. I don't think that's the best way for him to, him to bring up what's good about his game. I think he saw that against uh, Forest. I think he kind of saw it against Chelsea as well. Um, and Leicester, sorry. I don't know about about Jacob Ramsey because he he is super talented and he's going to be in the England setup one day and there are loads of eyes on him and he's already I reckon a you know thirty plus million pound player uh, I think if you wanted to take him at the age of twenty one or whatever he is now it's ridiculous I think he got his hundredth league appearance for Villa at the age of twenty one at the weekend um, on, on Saturday so that kind of shows you his caliber and he's kind of drawing experience a hundred league league games now at that age is incredible. But I just don't think you're ever going to see the best of him playing where he's playing. And I don't know if it's because Unai really wants to keep him in the team and he doesn't want to drop him and he's still, but he's trying to fit him in. But I, he feels like a, a square peg in a round hole at the moment for me. Yeah. Nigel says he'd play him in the Bailey position. Great finisher and dribbler, likes space. Uh, Gary says, to well, all the village, village yeah. managers have seen something in him. Yeah, he's got something, and I think Sam's bang on. He's, he's that kind of player that can carry the ball, you know, and and carry the ball at real pace and and break the lines. You know, we saw him against Bournemouth do that, and he was quicker with the ball than without the ball. He's got that rare skill, something like a Grealish has got. But I, I I totally agree. I think there's this elements of his game where he he goes anonymous because he hasn't got that space to operate in, um, and whether he needs to add parts to his game or we need to find a way of Allowing him to to get into those spaces, um, you know, will be will be will be key. I do think though that he came into it as you know, sixty five minutes onwards, he started to find those spaces. Yeah. I think there was a a period. It was a bit where we were playing the ball across the back, and then Konza, who had a very good game as well, spotted him. He, he picked up that space in the middle. He was completely free, and then he could go. And then he he released. Um, I think it was Moreno on the left hand side, and then obviously right at the end, he he set up he set up Watkins for the goal. I also would just like to see him shoot a bit more. Like yeah, I think he, 100%. he just needs to have a shot with his left foot. It's like he could. I'm sure he could get it on target at least. Like it doesn't mate. He scored like, that the most power. Mate, he scored yeah. that absolute banger when he ran from his own half against Norwich with his left foot. Yeah, I think I think there's like there, there were quite a few times against For uh, Forest yesterday where we would drive, move forward with the ball and someone would just pass it out or cross it out for a, for a throw in, and I'm like. If you're gonna do that, if you're gonna just have a pop, but I think some players I've seen over the course of my whole watching football have suffered from being versatile, and because they're so versatile, they're played out of position. They're kind of played to fill roles, and I feel like because Jacob Ramsey can has attributes in terms of pace and power and passing and finishing to play on a wing, and he does have that versatility. I think he's kind of suffering from that because. I've seen a lot of people say, oh, you've got to put John McGinn on the right wing. I've never seen John McGinn play right wing. He's either played as a, as a CDM, a centre mid or a cam. Um, you know, he, he doesn't work on, on a wing because, you know, he's not built like that. He works, operates better in the, in the middle of the pitch. And I, I, do, I do think with Ramsey, I, I worry about him because when Kamara's back and you've got Kamara, Louise, uh, McGinn, whoever it is that we're going to buy in the summer, Eric Bonham coming back, trying to challenge. I, I just... 
I wonder where his place is. Is it where Buendia is? Does Buendia get dropped? Because I, I quite like Buendia. I think he does a lot that goes under the radar. Uh, a lot of clever little turns and just getting himself out of trouble, getting Villa out of trouble, receiving the ball high up and doing kind of what Ollie Watkins used to do, um, where he would like hold at the ball and, and bring other players into play. Uh, so, you know, do you play Jacob Ramsey there? Do you play him as a cam? Do you play him as a centre mid? I don't have the answers for that. And I, and I can only hope that Unai Emery does. But I think as it is now, I agree with whoever posted the comment. I don't think it is working as well as it could be at the moment. Well, talking about other forward players, um, what unbelievable form this man is in. Uh, put the icing on the cake. Uh, another looked like it was a more comfortable victory than it was. Although it was pretty comfortable because they didn't really look like scoring and we didn't need to get out of second gear. But um, a finish, not the kind of finish you'd normally associate with him, Rich, in terms of a, a sort of drop of the shoulder and then a cheeky dink finish over um, the former Real Madrid goalie, Navas. What did you make of Watkins? Well, the goal just goes to show what what form he's in and what how confident he is. I think that's clear to see. Um, he even tried an audacious, I think it was like first time volley um, as the ball was clear. <laughs> I know it went wide, but it's just like, it's just a measure of how confident he is that he's just willing to try anything at the moment. And yeah, I think, um, I think he worked hard throughout the game. I could see a lot of runs he was making that weren't necessarily getting found. I think when he was called upon in terms of the air, you know, aerially or to hold the ball up, he gave that the Felipe a, a tough game. So I think he did his job. And you know, as a striker, you put that that work in. You know, you get your rewards. And he he had to wait to the 95th minute, and he and he got it. And it was one of those where it was like we 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 picked the ball up, and um, it was almost like after you clawed it, like nobody seemed to want to shoot. You know, it, it went to what it went to Watkins. He 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 dinked. He, he uh, kind of did a step over. McGinn was in the way and he was like, get out of the way. He played it out to Ramsey. Ramsey could have had a shot, as we were saying before. Then he played it back across to uh, to Watkins and it looked like he was going to get tackled. But beautiful first touch that we've, you know, that's kind of sometimes un-Watkins-like. And um, yeah, just a beautiful finish into the into the goal. And um, yeah, he, he certainly wanted everyone to know that he'd, he'd scored and he wanted to know that, wanted everyone to know that he'd been on the weights because... Uh, whipped his top off and uh, <laughs> and got a yellow card for it. But yeah, great finish. And I think it was good for him to score in front of the, the you know, the, in, at Villa Park, because I think, I don't think he scored against, uh, I don't think he scored against Bournemouth and he didn't score against Palace. So he's got a lot of goals away from home. So it was good for him to get a goal in, in, at Villa Park. But nine goals in 11 games, uh, 12th Premier League goal for the season. Who says he can't get 20? Yeah, who says? Who says indeed? Um, and to be honest, if you, if I had an upper body like that, I'd be walking around topless everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, well worth well worth the yellow card. I'm sure he gave a few people in, in the crowd a treat as well. Um, yeah, it's just brilliant to have a player in this kind of form. And, and look, I've, we've got, we've got to be honest. All of us, I think, at times, not just on the pod, but Villa fans have probably questioned whether he was the guy to lead the line for Villa long term. But I've got to say. Week by week now, I'm 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 becoming more and more an Ollie Watkins fan. I'm in big time. I think that um you know I I, st- I do think he lacks a ruthless level of finishing compared to maybe some of the top 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 strikers. But his finishing's massively improved. I mean, some of the goals. I mean, if you look back to his goal against Man City, touch bang in the corner. Arsenal was a great finish. You know, he's he's really good in the air. He's good with his head. He scores quite a few headers. 
a dink finish here, that instinctive one against Leicester where, you know, came back off the keeper and he and he put it in. He scores different types of goals now. And the only thing he doesn't do is get more than one in a game. And I'm hoping that'll be, I mean, it, it would be absolute dream dream world if we can break break that curse against Newcastle and Watkins scores a couple. And can I just also say, isn't it great to see the Grim Reaper back? back, back? You know, the Grim Reaper. <laughs> yeah, on Twitter. Oh, God. If we could emulate that 10-game winning run, then... Um, I think we'll be playing um, Real Madrid and Inter Milan next season. So, um, look, look, it's it, it's just brilliant to see where we are right now. And I know I said at the start of the pod, we, we have to really enjoy these moments. But um, we've put ourselves in a position now to be going into the back end of the season with so much to play for. And we've still got an outside chance of the Champions League. I mean, I know we have not talked about it because it feels crazy. But we've got an outside chance of the Champions League. We're, we're in the mix for it. I mean, if we beat Newcastle and beat Brentford and beat Spurs, could have, should have, would as we might lose all three. But the reality is, if we were a Liverpool now or a Chelsea in this position where we are, i.e. more points than them, they'd be still pushing for fourth spot. We're, we're saying if we got sixth, we'd be happy. Seventh, we'd probably be happy. It, it's staggering, really, to be here, isn't it? So we need to enjoy it, lads. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, you know, just... Touching Ollie Watkins, you know, I've, you know, I've been a pessimist in the past. I'm not going to lie and sit here now and claim that I've always been his biggest fan. I still think against Forest, he was pretty quiet for most of the game. He didn't do anything, but he came up with a goal. It was a brilliant finish. And I said earlier, I spoke about confidence. And if anyone's benefiting from confidence, it's Ollie Watkins. It's not just the goal. Look at the celebration as well. You know, he's sitting there beating his chest, going, you know, this is this is my house. You know, this is what I do. And good. That's what he should be doing. And that's what, you know, I've heard so much about Ollie Watkins recently. I know Gareth Southgate was there yesterday. Um, you know, I saw a tweet earlier saying, you know, Southgate saw Ollie Watkins score another goal. Uh, Conter and Ming score another clean sheet. So naturally, he's going to bring up Morgan Gibbs-White next uh, next international break. So, um, you know. I, I, Sam, Sam, knowing Southgate, knowing Southgate, he'll pick Lingard in the squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah Lingard. That. That's someone why I think why that. Lingard and Morgan Gibbs-White. But I think, you know, going forward, look, we've got we've got to be realists as well. And I'm here to, to, to you know, shit on everyone's parade. Look, at, if you look at the, um, you know, uh, if you if you if you look at the, the the games that we've got coming up, we've got the likes of Brighton and Spurs and, Car- and Newcastle and Brentford, I think, and you know we've got a really tough run in, um, and uh, I think I think we have to be realistic and say, look, we're probably not going to be on the same run, run as we have been, probably, but. Probability and possibility are different things. It's possible we can do anything. We can go ahead and we can take this momentum in. And I've got everything crossed, fingers, toes, ears, everything that you can possibly do. I've got it. But I think we have to, uh, I think we just have to, to enjoy it. Like you said, yeah. Kev, um, you know, there's, there's nothing else to do. We can sit here and overanalyze and say, oh, you know, uh, I did it with a mate the other day. I was like, all right, go through the games. Let's see how many points we think we're going to get. It doesn't mean anything. Because you probably say we would have lost away to Chelsea. You probably say, you know, there were a lot of games this season that, that we wouldn't have won, or even just Villa winning consecutive games. You know, it's not something that Villa, Villa do to this to this degree. So I think I think you're right, Kev. I think we're 250 to one to get into the Champions League, whereas um, Liverpool were two, three places behind us are, are, are like seven to two. So we're always going to be discounted. You know, everyone does want to bet against us, but history proves it's not always a good idea with Aston Villa. So. Wait and see what happens. 
Yeah, and look, a nine-point swing and also worst goal difference would be some some achievement with any eight games left. So it's probably pretty unlikely. But yeah. and then whoever, by the way, I saw the comment. I can't remember who posted. It, said I remember Sam slating Ali Watkins. I was a hundred percent right at the Martin. time. <laughs> at the time, I was absolutely right, and I, I defy anyone to go back watch those games that I was talking about and tell me it was anything else. But you know, players improve, and and what I did say at the time when I was slating Ali Watkins and everyone else is is they need to be coached properly. And, you know, lo and behold, world-class coach, yep. world-class Ollie Watkins. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, to, I mean, and look, it's a positive time. We've got to enjoy it. We might lose some of these games against some of these teams around us. It wouldn't be inconceivable to think that Newcastle could beat us or Brentford could beat us away. So, you know, I think we've got to enjoy it. But it's positive, as we said many times about the club. Um, Mate, also, I, I, Kev, don't forget, yeah. sorry, just before we, we um, move on, don't forget that those teams will be coming in, not fearing Villa, but also being, you know, apprehensive because we don't fear them. Of course, we don't. We want yeah. to enjoy it, but they're going to come in and say, "Bloody hell, this Villa team are on good form. We've got to be careful yeah. here." So they're going to come into it with some trepidation as well. So, you know, Absolutely. don't forget the the view of the other team as well. I hope we yeah. don't we don't respect the opposition too much, and we go out and we try to play a game. But it doesn't seem like Unai Emery's ever done that. I don't know. We have one thing that I've noticed. Whereas with Gerard, you know, he may have said to the to the boys in the dressing room, "Oh, you know, by all rights, you should lose this, but go out and give it a go." I can never imagine Unai Emery saying that to his team. So I, yeah. I hope we just go out there and we play our game. We don't care about you know their run or what where they've been or what they're trying to do. Just go out, play our game, game by game, and and try and pick up points. And I really hope this is my my new ambition for this for the end of the season is I just hope we finish top seven. Europa Conference League, whatever it is, I would love to to get back into Europe. And that's what, fingers crossed, you know, Europa League would be brilliant. You know, Villa and Brighton, I'd love that. <laughs> um, but I think first and foremost, let's make sure that we get back into Europe. Yeah, and there are still some good teams around us, obviously, vying for it. You know, Brentford obviously have not had the best form lately, but, you know, they've been good most of the season. Fulham have dropped off, obviously, losing the last four Chelsea, who knows? You know, they're, they're still a quality outfit. Yeah, Chelsea are out of it, mate. They're, they're out of it. Yeah. They're so yeah. shit. Yeah. They're well, so bad. I, I, I Again, hope... mate, we talk about a turnaround of points. We were saying nine points with goal difference or whatever as well on top for Champions League. They've got eight points to, to yeah. get on us with with, this, with eight games to go. It's 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 a lot of it's yeah. four games. And I think that we finally got positive goal difference as well. Yeah. Um, you know, earlier on in the season, we're, we're plus one now. Um, but if you look at everyone around us, Brighton just below us on plus 16, Liverpool below them plus 15, even Brentford plus seven, Spurs above us plus 13. If we're going to, the, the shame is because we're not scoring loads and loads of goals, like you, you've alluded to Ollie Watkins not being able to score more than one goal in the game, the goal difference isn't, isn't really going up that much. And so because it's so tight on points, we're so level on points that the goal difference could really make a difference here. So I'm hoping... I was really hoping that in this run of games, when we were beating teams, we'd go out and batter a couple. Yeah. I was hoping for a big win against Forest yesterday to improve the goal difference. But I think ultimately, you've just got to take what you can get and move forward. And and it's still mad for me when I look at the table to see like we're, we're, we're just behind Spurs. It's Spurs and Villa. Spurs have been Champions League final in recent years, top four finishers. And mid April, we're, um you know, we're, we're, we're behind, behind them. So, yeah. To be fair, they're shit as well, Kev. I was saying the other week, I don't know how they're still so high up. A yeah. wonder strike from Son and 
you know, some typical hurricane shithousery and some awful refereeing. But they got absolutely pummeled by Brighton yesterday. It was by far the worst team. And but this is what I said earlier. That's what good teams do. When they don't play well, they pay the ref. And, you know, <laughs> that's how it works. Well, look, positive times for, for the Villa men's team. Just a quick shout out, because this time next week, uh, next Sunday, uh, Rachel uh, has asked the question of Michael earlier on. Will you be at the Women's FA Cup semi-final, Michael Huggins? Um, I'm going to be there. So if anyone on the pod who watches pod is going, come and say hello to me because some of you haven't got pictures on your on your uh, sort of profile. So yeah, come and say hi. I'll be, I'll be there with my kids, um, supporting the ladies on in that big, big uh, first time inaugural time. You know they've got to the, the FA Cup semi final. What a time for for the club as a whole. You know we've talked about the obviously the youngsters at the under eighteen cup final as well, which is going to be a bit apart. So it's a really really positive time um, and. A comment I say from earlier to talk about on that in that terms of positivity, Gaza says this team's got a trophy written all over it next season. What do you reckon? Which one, Gaza? Which one? Well, you, you, yeah, the, the Champions League, the Champions League. I think you mean. <laughs> well, look, we've got the we've got the serial trophy winner as our manager, haven't we? You know, he's he's and we we can see like that the way he approaches games, in terms of that tactical know-how, in terms of that kind of setting up slightly differently for each team. Um, again, changes in game that, that Sam's mentioned. We are set up to to win a cup, and it would be it would be fantastic if we could. You know, a lot of people saying the FA Cup would be phenomenal. A European a European trip would be great. You know, just I'd love the FA Cup. Yeah, FA FA Cup for me. I've you know we, we keep going about 1957 and all that. You know, there's there's, there's sadly there's less and less Villa current Villa fans that remember that. So. Yeah. We've got it. Was it ninety six the last one League Cup? Ninety six was the League Cup. Yeah, it'd be phenomenal Crazy. to win an FA Cup. It would be really would. Yeah, it, 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 it's it's been way too long, isn't it? It's been way way too long, and you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I, we've talked about it in the pod the other day. There's so many wins lately. You know, we've been getting two 0 man. Two 0 wins have we had? That's real good game management. You know, you keep the team out, then you catch them on the break. You know, and you, and you all of a sudden you've you've turned a one into a two. Not that many kind of fraught, you know, last minute last minute wins. Wasn't like we went into the last minute and Watkins got the winner with a goal like that. We were already nice, and pretty comfortable. So he does play each game tactically, game by game, setting up the team properly, looking at the strengths and weaknesses of the opposition. And he's got four Europa leagues to show for it. And there's a lot of talk about his points per game record at, at Arsenal. He's been getting a lot of credit for that lately. Being better than you know, better than in terms of his first X number of games at the club, better than Emery. Sorry, better than um, Arteta and better than Wenger. And so, the same, same if you add in his Villa record as well, his Premier League record in terms of games, um, at points per game, when you compare it to, to Arteta's, his whole Premier League career, it's better than Arteta's at the moment. And, you it, know, he's, he's, got, he's got Arsenal in first place at the moment. So it says a lot. It, it's, it, it's unbelievable. And I'm still so excited to think when he brings in, whether it's going to be a Nico Williams or again Doozy or, you know, a Nicholas Jackson, wherever, wherever the players are he's going to bring in. Is I'm just excited to see what this team would do. We know we. I don't think we need to talk too much about about it on this pod. You know, there'll be plenty of time to talk about whether you know the likes of a Bailey, a Traore, a Buendia, Coutinho, Cash, etc., are good enough for that next level. You know, and there's a lot of other players probably you could throw into that mix. But it's such exciting times as a club, isn't it? It's such exciting times, and yeah, you know, for us for us to be going into next season with with an even better squad. With the confidence of this season's turnaround, I think we've got some really, really exciting days ahead, whatever happens. 
I think I think the success of this season as well is going to prompt the owners to invest even more. I think they're gonna they're gonna think that's it now. This is this is the time. This is the man. This is the manager. This is the team. Yeah, and this yeah. is the guy we want to back. And whereas in previous times, I've kind of wished you know when I know that we need a few additions to the squad, I've kind of had that mentality of oh you know look if we lose it's not the worst thing because it will it will expose the gaps in this in this squad and it will expose the work that needs to be done. Whereas it's the opposite here, and probably for the first time in my time as a Villa fan, I think the more we progress. The more the incentive to yeah. to to add and to improve, and I, I love that, and I love the way that we're going. Like you say, Kev, women's uh, the women's team. Uh, you know, I've got to be completely honest. I, I don't catch a lot of the women's football, but I do look at the results, and and that's fantastic. The season they're having, the kids, the men's team, the the youth system, the training academy, the the renovations at Villa Park. Just it's just the best time to be a Villa fan that I've maybe seen in, in my lifetime. And I'm just, you know, I'm so excited for it. And I, I love what's happening here. Well, Rich, I think it's time now. We're talking about exciting times and competition. Hey, <laughs> what a segue that was. What a segue. Um, yeah, so we, we did, a, we to celebrate our 100th video, we did a little bit of a, a, a Twitter kind of draw, a Twitter giveaway uh, where you needed to retweet the tweet. Make sure you subscribed and, and uh and yeah put your name in the hat so i've been i was busy at the start which is why well partly to give me a rest and you know we're all we're all we're all joint hosts on this podcast get kev was hosting while i was putting the names in the random name generator which is like three games this week is knackered (laughs) yeah exactly yeah exactly yeah um so um yeah so let me just let me just see if i can get this uh just bear with me can we all see that? Yeah. So I've got the names in there. Okay. I've took our names out of it, lads. All right. Good. All of these are my aliases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm going to pick a random name. There we go. I've hit the button. And it's Burns99 on Twitter who has won the Villa shirt of their choice. Well done. The name and number on the back of their choice. So I, if you can reach out to us on uh, on Twitter, just DM us. And uh, I'm just going to try and find what his uh, what his actual name is on the on the Twitter uh, handle. But yeah, if you can reach out to us, uh, DM or and let us know your size and your uh, the name that you want on the back, and then we can we can uh, we can get that out to you. Yeah, Burns Night in on, on Twitter. So yeah, please, well done, mate, and please uh, get in touch. Fantastic. Um, anything more to add? No, I just, just, I think we summed it up, lads. I think, you know, it's just, I think that whole thing about just being, uh, just being um, positive, just enjoying it. We, we've gone from, you know, ever, never ending, never ending in sixth place, uh, in 11th place in the league, like seemed like we, we were just going to be destined to there for all time to now suddenly being in the top six. And, you know, it's, it, it just shows you what consistently picking up points does for you. And now we're at that business end of the season where, as we've just said on the whole of this episode, it's just just enjoy the ride, lads. It's it's one of those that we've got a great time to be a Vela fan, players informed, manager, like players listening to the manager. Brilliant time to be a Villa fan. Um, let's just go out and enjoy it because I think I think we will finish in in a in a good spot in the league, but we could make we we could make it really special. I think as well, just just to add to that, Kevin, I don't want to bring the tone down at all. Um 
because I saw on Twitter, and I'm not going to call the, I'm not going to call him out because I'm pretty sure he's he's a young man. But I, I saw someone on Twitter calling out uh, one of the Villa fans. Um, he, he a bit of an old boy for uh, he had a Villa shirt on. He had you know a name or something on the back and a number, and and I saw him sort of circulating that around Twitter, saying, "Oh, it's cringy." that you know this guy's got this villa shirt on i think that's ridiculous like richard just said we're having we're having one of the best seasons we've ever had with uh, you know as supporters sit back enjoy it be kind to each other as well be nice to each other online because i've really really got my goat up so just yeah be, be, be nice to each other enjoy it as a villa family um i know i'm enjoying it and i love talking to you boys about it as well on the pod and and that hopefully come the end of the season we'll be doing the european preview show as well so uh yeah just a little note there to everyone and uh, no uh, i couldn't couldn't concur more and anyone that knows me who ever plays football with me or sees me in the gym will know that i wear villa tops all the time when i exercise so like, i'm a proper fanboy i've got loads of stuff so yeah how you can hate someone for showing the support of their team I, I don't get it um look just finally thanks again everyone great amazing comments tonight you know obviously we try and show as many as we can uh without interrupting the flow of the show too much but it's great to have, obviously, the, the the family I think we've got now in terms of some of the supporters on the pod and they've been absolutely integral to the growth of, of the channel. And how good is it going to be, guys, next season when we're reporting on, you know, playing against Real Betis and, um, you know, University of Crayano of uh, Romania? Or whoever. <laughs> I, need to, I, need to, I think I need to, I might need to... We need to uh, push up, yeah. Yeah, you I might have to push up, yeah. Yeah, yeah um, I'm going to have to also get uh, somehow become related to, to Martin so I can get an Irish passport. So he yeah, he's put in there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what? My my mum's from Cork, so I'm eligible for an Irish passport. So I'm actually yeah, get on it, son. Get on it immediately. Look into it. Look into it. See, I wonder if my kids can get it as well. Uh, if I got one, maybe they can. Anyway, um, look, um, thanks so much for the support. If you're not already, please give the give the uh, video a like. Um, check out all our other videos. There's plenty of stuff. Up. I'm sure there'll be a talking tactics coming as well. Uh, with with Gareth to go through how we managed to uh, defeat Nottingham Forest in the end. Or, or be it took a bit of time after that first half being a bit, a bit difficult. Um, but yeah, thanks so much for the support. And um, guys, remember, we all follow each other. See you next time. Yeah.